0: Data is good. And yet what ultimate good comes of it if it doesn't keep the customer and their pain points front and center? Data can yield much for banks and even more for customers. To find out how data blossoms into insight and action, we'll talk with Todd Barnhart, Executive Vice President, Head of Retail Distribution for PNC Financial Services Group. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Blue Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and here today with us we have Todd Barnhart. Todd is the Executive Vice President, Head of Retail Distribution for PNC Financial Services Group. In that role, Todd is responsible for leading PNC's network of nearly 3,000 retail bank branches in delivering an outstanding sales and service experience for 7 million consumer and small business customers. It's a lot, of, a lot of work, and somebody's got to do it and do it well. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. Pleasure to be here.
0: Everybody talks about data, but for banks, consumer data has internal and external uses. Break down the difference for us between the two and why each is crucial in its own way.
1: Sure. Yeah, you're right. The world is awash in data these days, and the challenge for all of us is to find ways to make it useful. You know, When I think about internal uses of data— sort of the primary view for us is what are the things that our customers are struggling with? And we know money is important. Financial well-being is a term that a lot of folks use. But also we know that survey any group of consumers, and most of them will say one of the causes of stress in their life is money, whether they have a lot or have a little. And so the more that we can look at the data that we have about how they spend their money, how they save their money, how they invest their money or maybe don't invest their money for retirement or education or whatever the case may be. You know, Those are some of the principal uses for data internally for banks and financial institutions to try to bring that information to life in the form of insight for our customers. Certainly, when you go externally, there's some really intriguing things going on in terms of how to use data from external sources that might inform decisions and insights to bring to customers. One of the more interesting ones that I've seen talked about a bit is the risk indicator from your willingness to let your iPhone or other phone, the battery life, do you let it get below 50% or 90% is a credit risk indicator in certain places, not yet in the U.S. But anyway, it's just interesting to think about how various external sources of data can, off the beaten path even, Bring new insights to life, and we'll see how those play out over time. But it's a pretty interesting phenomenon going on.
0: This is a relief to hear because I am borderline <laughs> obsessed with keeping my iPhone battery at about a hundred percent. So I guess I'm a good credit risk.
1: I'm with you. I, if it gets below ninety percent, I get nervous. <laughs>
0: getting a little more granular, if you want to use a data term, we are looking to see how analytics and retail behaviors and activities can better reach customers. Give us your viewpoint on how this works well.
1: Sure. There's a couple of ways I would think about it. One is we know, again, all of the sources of information that people seek out. And so when I think about through a marketing lens, You know, For us as banks, we're in the business of delivering advice ultimately, and that shows up then through the various products and things that our customers choose to use with us. But when I think about all of the research that our customers can do, think about going to Google and Googling or Zillow, looking for a home search, and that information becomes available. We all hit yes on those cookies, and that becomes traceable and trackable. And so as we start to see... Those behaviors of our customers and consumers, or even prospects who might come to the PNC website or any bank website. What do you do with that information, and how does that then allow you to more specifically target potential solutions, potential recommendations to those customers? So, again, back to that notion of information and insight, that is only valuable if you can turn it into insight or wisdom for somebody. And that's what I think the fundamental marketing opportunity is for banks as we move forward is how do you turn all that information, whether collected internally or externally, into something that's useful for a customer. The other thing that I think is very intriguing from a marketing standpoint for banks or anyone else in the customer service business, everybody wants to know how they're doing. And so that notion of people like me, which is not something we've historically spent a lot of time on in banks, but if I'm a 27-year-old, you know, relatively recent college grad, maybe thinking about starting a family or getting married or buying my first house, or I'm 45 and maybe I don't think I've saved enough for retirement. How do I know that? And so we have treasure troves of data about customers that might fit certain demographic profiles. And I think that's a very useful marketing tool and information tool for customers to begin to think about wherever I sort of see myself how do I compare to others like me? And what's the value of that for a bank to begin to deliver that? And some of the insights that can come from that in my head, am I behind? How do I feel about that? What would I do differently in my financial life to sort of change that dynamic? So I think those are some of the real interesting marketing opportunities for us as we look forward and how to turn more and more of that data into insight for our customers.
0: Insight goes hand in hand, of course, with digital transformation. A lot of people are talking about it. But beyond the tech, digital transformation implies add-ons that can take it to the next level. Outline for us what you think some of the most valuable ones are.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And there are two sort of paths I would take that down in terms of add-ons. One is I think that we talk about the data, and we even talked about it earlier in the podcast, with internal and external sources. And so I think part of the tech add-on, if you will, will be how do you make that data sort of more interchangeable across a customer's financial life. I'd love for them to have all their accounts at PNC, but they may not. And so if they have accounts at some other banks or some other providers, how do you sort of bring a complete picture together for that customer so they can see their total life, not just their life with PNC, for example? The ability to sort of pool a variety of information together Would aid in the digital transformation in the mind of a customer. Otherwise, they're thinking about it in very siloed slices of all the different service providers they do business with. So that's one angle. I think maybe the more important angle for banks in particular on this notion of digital transformation is to not forget that the human element still plays a big role. And what I mean by that is, in a phrase we use, is the winners and losers here will be those who can actually humanize the digital experience. And you know, again, I said it earlier, money is a cause of stress. And so it's also one of those things that I think a lot of folks, again, whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money, you're never sure if you're exactly doing the right things. And so while we can provide all kinds of tools through a cool mobile experience or some online tools, the ability to reach out maybe through that mobile phone, maybe through an old fashioned phone call, maybe even really old-fashioned and walking into a bank branch, but how do you bring all those pieces together? And I think, again, the winners in the digital transformation space in banking and beyond, will those be able to allow a customer to take all the great information and insight that digital transformation brings and then connect it in context with a human being who can help them think that through in those moments where that becomes important to them. And bankers still will...
0: Obsessed that the Amazons and Googles of the world with all of their information are going to enter the financial services sphere and turn everything upside down, but their success is far from guaranteed. Whether it's an Amazon, a Google, some other data-rich company, what do they need to do to separate themselves from the pack?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's one of those great questions that certainly we'll learn over time. You know, does Google, Amazon, Apple, want to be a bank. Certainly, we see, you know, Apple recently getting into the credit card business and other examples that will sort of indicate how deeply they want to get into the banking business. And we'll have new competitors like any other industry. Competition reigns. There's something like five or 6,000 banks still in the U.S. and all the fintech players. And so, you know, whether it's Google, Amazon, Apple, all of the above enter into the fray, I think the winners and losers there, whether they be bank or technology companies, will be those that can put the information, that data in context for a customer. Again, I think we're awash in information as a society, but sometimes we don't have the wisdom to you know, know what decisions we need to make at that point in time. And so I think if we as banks can figure out how to harness the data we have, and pull in other data as appropriate to bring that insight, then we'll be successful. If Google and Amazon can do that, then they'll be successful and it'll probably be a mix. Some banks will figure it out. Some technology companies will figure it out. But I think it all comes down to, can you personalize in a way that's meaningful for that customer in that moment of decision or that moment where they're seeking insight and advice? That will be key. One of the advantages, I think, that banks have, whether we can exploit that advantage or not, vis-a-vis some of the technology companies, is the data shows that a lot of consumers, at least when it comes to their money, do value that multi-channel experience. I want to go into a branch. I might only go once a year, but when I do, it's important to me to have that accessibility. I might want to pick up the phone and call somebody. I might want to schedule a meeting in a video conference setting. So, We as banks have all those channels. If we can bring those together and link that information with the people on the other end of that communication channel, then I think that gives us a big advantage relative to a Google or an Amazon. And even with Amazon, you begin to see them getting into the physical through, I don't know what their long-term strategy is, but Whole Foods and some of their Amazon stores and other things, and even to the point of now taking cash in some of their stores. So it'll just be an interesting blend on how the physical and the digital come together in this sort of data-driven information age. I'm just really impressed with how much you shared with us
0: today and how you're making a difference. Todd, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Todd Barnhart is Executive Vice President, Head of Retail Distribution at PNC Financial Services Group in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can look for Todd on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast Number 1. With the world awash in data, the challenge is to make it useful. Internally, that's about what your customers struggle with as they save, spend, and invest, and creating insight from it. Externally, certain sources can inform bank decisions in novel new ways, one of them being the risk indicator that comes as a result of analyzing how low customers let their iPhone batteries get. Number 2. Hitting yes on a cookie or visiting certain websites points to information that becomes insight when banks act on it with something useful for the customer, a relevant offer that comes at just the right time. Interpreting a visit to a home site, for example, provides information that loan officers can use for the customer's benefit. And number three. If Google, Amazon, Apple, and other data-rich companies dive deep into the financial services pool, success is not guaranteed. That will hinge on using data in the context of a customer's needs. The winners will be those who can humanize and personalize the digital experience and reassure customers by helping them do the right thing, no matter the channel. banks have an advantage in that consumers value the multi-channel experience and the tradition that banks carry with them. And now BAI Banking Strategies presents My 21-Year-Old Self, where our podcast guest talks about what they were like at 21, life as an emerging leader, and the advice they give themselves today. Risk taking may seem like the MO of every 21 year old, but young adults can enter into the world afraid to take some big steps. Though he started a speedy trip to the top of the career ladder, today, Tom Barnhart reflects on how much his 21 year old self would benefit from three simple words Enjoy the journey.
1: Listen. First of all, you'd walk through the door. I believe I had a mullet of some sort when I was 21. <laughs> Me too. So, uh, maybe tell him to cut that. But uh, in all seriousness, the two things I would tell that 21 year old self would be first, be willing to take more risks. Because I sit here today, and that would have been close to 30 years ago now to think about that 21 year old self. And as I reflect on what seemed like big. You know, risky career decisions or life decisions, when you sort of have the benefit of time and you look back on those and you realize they weren't really that risky. So I think I would first say explore more possibilities, look around more corners, think about the path less taken and figure out where you want to go a little further down that path and maybe some of the ones that seem safer. Uh, that would be one piece. The benefit of time indicates that usually those weren't that risky of decisions, they just seemed complex. Probably more even than that, I would say enjoy the journey. You know, when I think about it from a career standpoint, at 21, 22, 23, 25, 30, it's always like, hey, what's next? What's the next promotion? What's the next job? What's the next thing you can do? And you're always sort of looking forward. Sometimes that cloud's just. The fun, the excitement, the journey that you're on and all the experiences and the people and the relationships that you're in the midst of during that time. So it's a little bit of a slow down and enjoy the journey a little bit more and things will happen as they happen. Thanks
0: again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. Our producer, as always, is James Grady. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the Managing Editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.